welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2017 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Friday the 2nd of June 2017, entitled, The Treasure of God's Faithfulness. And the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, and Psalm 78. Here's missionary Tom Hastings. We're going to begin very, by the most uh, complete commission that Christ gave his church in Matthew 28. And, uh, you know, as we come to, to look at this, we know that the circumstances, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ has been crucified and buried. The Not only had Peter denied him, but actually all the, all the apostles left him. They, they really went away. And so they were hiding behind locked doors out of fear. They'd got, come and crucified their Savior. And it's possible they were going to come after them. It was dangerous to be a Christian back then. Uh, so Matthew 28, let's stand for, out of honor of God's word. Beginning here with verse 18. Speaking to these rather fearful Believers, apostles, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord and God, we thank you for your promise to be with us. I thank you that you have made us your witnesses. God, help us to be spirit-empowered and full of your love for the people around us, for the people around the world. God, how I thank you for these special people tonight to have a heart for you, a heart for your church, a heart for your word for them. And God, we are so dependent upon the anointing of your spirit. Lord, may you be glorified. We thank you for your presence, for your blessings in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, one of the treasures that we have is the treasure of an all-powerful unlimited God. We have the treasure of an all-powerful, unlimited God. Uh, but we're going to look tonight how important of it is for us not to limit God. Not to limit God. And perhaps uh, just a thought or two to help you think about this. In, in our lives, I know there have been times in my life that through perhaps disobedience, through lack of belief, that I have limited what God could do in and through me. And as we've talked about the other day, our, our being involved in souls around the world and souls here at home, it's such a blessing for us to be obedient, to be blessed, to be full of faith, to let God use us completely. And it's a very sad commentary when we through a lack of faith, a lack of obedience, limit what God does in and through us in our lives today. 
And I'm thinking, you know, God has a victory, has a blessing for us and wants to use us every day. Some days are more pleasant than other days. Some days the weather's nicer. This is beautiful weather out there, isn't it? I mean, uh, this is very good British weather. We have a lot of this in Germany also. But, you know, that doesn't change what that God wants to bless us and use us for his honor and glory. So uh, we want to look at this today. And Jesus Christ promised his presence with us. And, and I know sometimes we pray. We hear it also in Germany with our people there. We say, Lord, be with us today. We ask that God. God has promised to be with us. He never forsakes us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. We have him. He is in us and he is with us. And that's a good thing to keep in our mind too. Whatever we do, whatever we say, that uh, that we are doing this. So uh, he came to this fearful group of, uh, of the first church there. And uh, he says, go into all the world. Uh, it's talked about that one time there was some talk between the angels in heaven. And they said, my, that's a, such a fearful. They've already sort of forsaken Christ. They've turned their back on him. Peter, the, the great, uh, really powerful one, denied him three times. And says, uh, Lord, what are you going to do if they do not obey? If they do not follow your plan, what is your plan B for reaching the world for, for you? And he said, there is no plan B. And I, I guarantee you, find a plan B. God wants to use us. God wants to use you to reach others. So we're going to talk about this. We are unable in ourselves to do that. Without him, we can do nothing, according to Philippians 4.13. But uh, with him, we are able to do and to follow this and obey this. We are able to get this job done. Our part in this uh in our situation. And we have situations very often that are very difficult situations. Many times our situations even look impossible to do what God has commanded us to do. But you know, I'm thinking we have a God who specializes in the impossible. With him, there is nothing impossible. Praise God, we have a God, an all-powerful God, and uh, he specializes in that sort of thing. Some would say we cannot do it unless we add to God and do something outside of what the Bible says for us to do. And I tell you, doing it God's way, in God's power, and to His glory, He will accomplish that as we come by faith. Now, we're going to look into a passage of the Bible in the Psalms, Psalm 78. We're going to be there for some, a little bit tonight. Actually, that's where the main part of our message is going to be. In Psalm 78, this is a, a psalm of Asaph, one of the, uh, who also wrote several psalms. And this Psalm 78 is dealing with God's working in Israel, using Israel to accomplish his purpose and to be a blessing to them and give them victory. And so uh, this is a bit of a history here, talking about what God's done. I'm not going to read it all, but we're going to read several verses here to get the context of what God was doing and speaking through Asaph. 
here to us. In verse 5, and it's talking about God, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. There's a lot in just that little verse. He says, first of all, he established a testimony in Jacob. Now, those of you, and I believe most of you know your Bibles, Jacob and Israel are the same person. Jacob is the supplanter, is the one sort of a conniver, and uh, God changed him, and as he let him change him, into being Israel, a prince with God. And so uh, God speaks of, when he's talking about Jacob, he's talking about the more the human part of him, the lack of ability, the uh, sort of conniving. But he says, God established a testimony in Jacob. Now then, we all have this old body, this old flesh, this fleshly nature, this sin nature, the tendency to that. And in spite of the fact that we still have this sinful nature, this turning and wanting to go to the wrong way, God has established a testimony in us. In this church right here, God has established in uh, this church a testimony. And uh, we need to realize that God comes and he wants to work in spite of our weaknesses and show forth himself. He has established a testimony in Jacob. Just like in Matthew, I know, excuse me, in Acts 1 8, he says, Ye are my witnesses. And talking about into the end of the world, here and around the world, both around the world, you are a testimony for God. And you may think, well, I don't, you know, I don't open my mouth much. I don't do much. I don't say. You, we are testimonies. Now, we may be a very poor testimony sometime. We may be more Jacob sometimes than we are Israel, a prince with God. But believe me, we are his testimonies, his witness here on earth. And he says, he, he commanded our fathers. You know, I thank God for the commands of him. Do you know that the commands of God are paramount to the enablings of God? God commands us to be something, to do something. He will give us the power to do that if we will rely upon him. And so when you come and see a command, instead of saying, oh, I'm too weak, I can't do that. You say, in myself, I cannot do that. But relying on the Lord, letting the Lord by faith and his power work in and through me and fulfill that, he can fulfill that in me. That's being Israel, a prince with God. And that is a position we need to look at ourselves in. But he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That's why Sunday school and home devotions is so important. We are commanded. You read that in the Old Testament. You read in the New Testament. We are to commanded to teach our children. And the ministry to the children is a very, very important ministry. And we need to support and encourage those who work with the children in the Sunday school and uh, each individual, each father and mother. We need to take our responsibility the very serious. So that's a command of God there. Now look at us here. Uh, we're going to pass over that. He came through them. 
the generation relying upon God. But beginning again, he talks about some of the things he did to Israel as weak and, and uh, really sort of doubting as they were many times. In verse 13, talks about God. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand up as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He cleaved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths. We see here some things that God did for them. Uh, were they always obedient? Oh, no. I mean, they were many times rebellious. They were lacking a faith. But I tell you that God was faithful to them. He supplied their needs. He carried them forth. They did not always have the victory and the peace and the joy because of their lack of faith in God, their lack of believing. They failed to totally rejoice in, in, in what God was doing for them. But you look back at that whole thing that God did, taking them out of Egypt, taking them through the Red Sea, carrying them all the way, uh, taking care of, of their shoes that they wore, that they did not wear out. He, he took care of them and all of their needs. I remember the time that uh, out in the desert when God said, you know, uh, told Moses that, Tell the people, I'm going to feed them. They want meat. They're tired of this manna, this food. I'm going to give them meat, not for a, a day, not for, for 30 days. They're going to have meat till it goes out of their nose. And Mo, Moses himself said, uh, Lord, how are you going to do this? Are we going to have to kill all of our flocks? How can this be, God? And God says, you'll see whether or not I'm able to do what I say. And God did it. God brought in the quail to them. I mean, they, they gathered, they ate it. And they, gave, they got their desires. They were complaining and fussing that God was giving them a miracle every day of the manna uh, that God gave them in the middle of the wilderness. Two million people approximately. For 40 years, God fed and gave to drink in the wilderness. You know, sometimes the miracle that we experience in our Christian life, we fail to really, truly appreciate. I mean, that we have God's Word and that God's Holy Spirit comes in as we read this and we pray. God enlightens us. God builds us up. God encourages our heart. You get discouraged. You turn to God. And God gives you encouragement. I mean, some of you have gone through things I've not even gone through. Losing a mate, I can't imagine. But I tell you what, God's grace is sufficient. We have a God with whom nothing is impossible. And we, we need, God has so much for us every day. It was so appropriate for your pastor uh, last night to end up with, uh, thank God. Be thankful, count your blessings. We, we get so often looking negative and thinking negative. We don't want to be uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think now, uh, it, it was Joseph's father who came and, and thought that Joseph was dead. You know, he was convinced Joseph was dead. 
And after he came and he was so upset and he, his, own, his loving child and never put one child loving above the other. Our children need all of them love. Anyway, and he came and he was convinced that Joseph was dead and he would not let himself be encouraged. Don't be like that. He was believing a lie. Joseph wasn't dead. He got to see him. He, he worked. I mean, we need to come and realize uh, God works all things together for good. And that God knows what he's doing. Okay. So here, uh, they come here and then verses 40. Let's look again further in verse 40. And he's describing the reaction of Israel to the command of God, to the provision of God, beginning in verse 40 here in Psalm 78. How oft did they provoke him, God, in the wilderness, and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy, how he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan and had turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink. He sent divers sorts of flies among them, which devoured them and frogs, which they destroyed them. He gave them gave also their increase unto the caterpillar and their labor unto the locust. And what he's talking about now is God heard their cries for help. And God came down and he sent Moses and he sent Aaron and he sent his mighty angel and he humbled the mighty Pharaoh, the greatest and largest king of that day and age. He humbled them and humbled all their armies, all their chariots, all their horses. He showed them, uh, he said, you know, he defeated them completely to set his people free that he might have a people to, and you know what? They said after they did it, okay, you know, God has saved us by his blood. He has paid the price for your sin and my sin, and we do not have to fear today a devil's hell. We deserve every one of us from what we are to go to hell tonight, to be there already. And yet God in his grace has provided a way and Believe me, what Jesus Christ did for us sinful people on the cross of Calvary and going into, into the hell itself and being resurrected and uh, defeating sin, death, and, and all these things, there is no greater miracle that God could possibly do on this world or in this universe than what Jesus Christ did through the death, burial, and resurrection that he did for you and me. The problems that we have day to day, they are nothing compared to what Jesus Christ did there. And we need to live by faith and claiming his victory in these situations. Uh, don't think of the trials, the problems, the things that they're just things that, uh, boy, well, there's another defeat coming. Man, that's, that's, that's not, that's negative vibes. That's not where we should be thinking. Uh, I, you know, even giving to faith promise, it makes life exciting. My, how's God going to do this? And I get it, I've seen so often victories that God has brought and things out of this. We need to realize that we can limit God 
by being ignorant of God's will, of God's way, of God's power, and God's word. You can limit him. They limited him. In verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Uh, we can limit God in our lives. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 22 and verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, and these were, by the way, Sadducees, very religious people. He said, ye do err, not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. We can err, go into error very greatly because we do not know God's Word. Uh, we need to know God's Word. This is, we need to set, put our roots down in Word of God. And I'll tell you what, that is, uh, when we fail to really get in and to study and to apply God's Word to our lives, uh, we are limiting what God can do in us through that. And also, it limits the weapons that God has as His, uh, his uh, use to be used through us to reach other people. This is the, the Word of God. And it's something that God wants to use our knowledge of that. People come and they have questions. Man, they, they have questions. And the more that we know of God's Word and know of the power of God, we can help people with their problems. You know, many times... The problems that you have and that I have, they're given that to us on purpose so that we can see God give us the victory over them so that we can help others that have those problems. You know, somebody comes and they're, they're suffering with cancer. You know, I'm a good one to talk to people having problems with cancer. I mean, I've had eight different kinds of cancer. I've had well over 20 different operations for cancer. I've had all different kinds, and I can tell you what, we have a God that can control cancer. We have a God who's able to take care of all the problems that we have in our life. I don't care what you're, and these things, God lets these things happen so we can be an encouragement and a help to others that are in their needs or their problems. Yes, we need to go know God's word. We need to know God's power in our daily lives. But you know, we have to step out by faith and trust Him to be able to see the power working in His fullness that He wants us to have. We need to practice obedience by faith. This is one of the reasons, uh, you know, faith promise, I believe, is more of a way of God raising His children than it is of God's way of raising money. God uses the money and that's true. It's something you, but God, without faith, and this is another sermon that's coming, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And as we come by faith, trust God in something that the natural heart automatically hangs on to. We talked about covetousness. Uh, and we say, no, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hang on to you. I want to see what you're doing, Lord, and I want to be used of you in our prayer life, in our giving in our testimony, and these things that God can use. God can and will bless our lives as we obey Him and come and serve Him. William Carey went to India as one of the first missionaries of modern day and landed in Calcutta, India uh, 
in November of 1793. One of the things he said, and you've got to think about this, he went back there and, uh, man, they just had ships. They had letters. And it took generally six months, something like that, for a letter to get someplace. And he went over there just trusting God to, to get the finances to take care of him over there. And he said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Uh, you know, that's what you can come in your life and testify. You, you think somebody, God lays upon your heart and you, we have many times testimony, a chance to testify with people in our lives. And we need to realize, man, this is an opportunity to attempt something great from God. Uh, there may be some of these uh, ornery boys that God has a hand on that they would become a missionary on the foreign field. Some of the old, you know, Paul was not a young man, the Apostle Paul, when he came, so became a preacher. I know that he was at least 30 because he was a, a member of the Sanhedrin. And God used him and turned him and had used him greatly. Uh, God wants to use us. God wants to use us uh, regardless of our age. Here in London, years ago, there was a, uh, uh, an attorney that attended the Spurgeon's Tabernacle. He came and he was an atheist attorney. And he came and he attended the services and uh, Finally, he came and he came to Spurgeon and said, you know, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm a child of God now. And so Spurgeon asked him, he said, well, tell me, what was it that the Lord used to help you convince that you, that you could be saved and you need to be saved? And he was thinking, most surely, he said, maybe some sermon that I preached one time that you listened, that was it. He said, well, the other Sunday... We were going down the steps from church and uh, there was a little old lady that was walking beside me and she stumbled. And so I reached over and held her so that she would not fall. And she looked up in my eyes and smiled. And she says, do you also love my Savior? And God used that testimony of that little old lady to break this proud Strong atheist lawyer's heart and be saved. Don't limit what God can use you as a testimony for Jesus Christ. We need to have a heart for our people and pray for opportunities and then for the grace of God to respond in a godly way with the compassion of Christ for the people that we deal with. Yes, uh, make his story your story. Make your story his story. You know, we have all had our defeats, had our problems. Uh, we have our temptations. But it's very good to not deny our difficulties, but to talk about how God has changed and worked through our weaknesses. We're not here to glorify ourselves. We're to glorify our Savior. Uh, you know, uh, one time... There was a, a, J. Hudson Taylor was a great missionary uh, for many years in China. And God used him to bring literally hundreds of missionaries to China. And one time a woman was talking to him and she's saying, you know, uh, 
Pastor Missionary Taylor. It says, you are, uh, have a great faith. And he corrected her. He says, no, I do not have a great faith. I have a little faith in a great God. That's where we are. We are those, we with our little faith, we are uh, trusting him and simply do that. And we magnify our Savior. We have a wonderful Savior. And that is our testimony. Uh, our, our history, we'll talk about this some more uh, the other night. But uh, tomorrow, and looking forward to all the good food that we're going to have and the good fellowship. We're looking forward to that. But you know... Uh, when we, we come and talk about the ministry, believe me, it's the Lord's church. It's the Lord's story. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you know, God wants to be uh, to bless us in our ministry, in our church. In Ephesians uh, 3 and verse 20, God's word says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Let me read that to you again. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in, worketh in us. The Holy Spirit and his power and his word works in us. We need to have a great faith in what he's doing. One of the songs that we sang uh, as a choir practice, uh, uh, just the other uh, week in Germany, was talking about, you know, uh, angels want to know what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. They stand amazed at the love of Christ for us sinful beings and what God is doing in our lives. And we need to come and, and proclaim to the world what God has done. And we need to make God's battles our battle and give him the glory. I want to look also, we'll be coming back here later on, in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, a very, very famous uh, passage used very often in dealing in children's classes and such like that. But it has a very good message for us tonight also. In 1 Samuel 17, we come to the situation, and the situation at the beginning of David's life was very pitiful for Israel. I mean, uh, they were under the heel of the Philistines. They were so much under the control of that. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but they did not allow them to even have a smeed. They did not, they were, if they needed to have their sickle sharpened, they did not have the ability to sharpen that themselves. They, uh, as a matter of fact, the only ones in the whole army of Israel that had even a sword was Saul and Jonathan. I mean, it was a pitiful situation. And so when this Goliath came out, and he, he, they were hordes of the Philistines, and uh, it seemed like the Israel was a very small uh, amount of army out there compared to them, and and challenged them. Uh, here's this giant that came out. He was three meters tall. 
He was strong. He had, had good weapons and he was there and he was coming and throwing out a challenge and he's saying, just give me somebody to come and fight with me. Well, let's read it here. In, in 1 Samuel 17, and uh, well, verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to you, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the hosts of thy Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now David was a young shepherd boy, probably 17 years of age. He was weak. He was small. He was not a great statue. Uh, the King Saul was at least a head, shoulder, a head and shoulder above him in size. And so we come here, and, and actually, see, they were all afraid. All the Israel army, every soldier was afraid. They wanted to be anywhere but there. They were afraid of this man. They said, we cannot fight him. He's too strong. He's too big. Someone said one time, they thought he was too big to fight. And David thought he was too so big he couldn't miss him. But you see, they were taking, too often we take God out of the equation and our problems. What Goliath said, he said, you know, give me a man to battle. If I'm able to defeat him, you will be our servants. If your warrior is able to defeat me, we will be your servants. You see, they you can look at your problems as an opportunity that, uh, well, we're going to be defeated. We're just going to be defeated. We don't have any power. Or you can look at it as an opportunity. This was a tremendous opportunity for Israel. They didn't, the, I mean, the Philistines were a greater number than they were. They had better weapons. They were better situated in a regular battle. God could give Israel the victory, yes. But it was a very slim pickings, I'd say. That's southern talk. But anyway, it'd be slim pickings trying to get that done. But here was an opportunity where one man could fight against their giant, and all he had to do, and God give them the victory and get him defeated, and they would get the victory and get the, the victory and lordship over the Philistines. It was an opportunity. Your difficulties, your problems are opportunities for God's victory. Uh, our, op, oh, our problems are really God's opportunities. And God has ability to do that. And we know the answer. He went out there with this a slingshot and the five stones 
and God gave him the victory. They ran away from them, the Philistines, after he got the victory. And we need to come and realize whatever God's trying to do in your life and people around you, just claim the victory for his honor and glory and for the blessing of others. Yes, make God's battle yours. David was the only one that had faith to do that. And we need to be the ones that, play, that have the faith to do it. It is he that causes us to triumph. In 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, God's word tells us, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Now that was words written by Paul as inspired by God. Uh, we can look at Paul's life. You mean the time that you've been, he was uh, stoned to death? That was in Philippi. He was ended up very often in prison. He was beaten. You say, and all these things, they were opportunities. You know, David himself lived a life uh, where he was only a hand's breadth between him and death. Whether it was against the Goliath that he fought, whether it was King Saul that was after him, whether it was his own son Absalom, there were people trying to kill him all his life. But he lived to live over 70 years of age and died of old age. You see, God has his protection for his people. Uh, I've been through so much and cancer and all this. Uh, I, that's the best health insurance you can have is to serve God. Be used of God. Give him the glory. And God takes care of his servants. He'll take care and he'll use us in great and mighty ways. Yes, uh, God, it is he that caused. And notice in this verse, I just read it. Now thanks be unto God, which sometimes causeth us to triumph. No, always. When we live by faith, it may sometimes look terrible, but God will give us a triumph as we come and believe in him. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 16, just a minute, let me get over there. In Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to begin here in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and, the, and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. If Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, some of the biggest defeats that was given to the forces of evil were in Rome at the persecutions. You know, they took the Christians out there in the arena, in the Colosseum, and they let the animals go at them. They burned them at stake. They, and you know what? They'd be out there and they'd be ready to set them on fire. 
And they'd be out there, and they'd be praying to God for the people that were killing them. They'd sing praises to God for the privilege of suffering for Jesus' name. And there were people in the, in the Congress, thousands of people watching that, and they were trying to see the defeat of Christianity, and people were getting saved in the audiences because there were people that had something real in them, and they were willing to die. And I tell you tonight, if you don't have something worth dying for, you don't have anything worth living for. I tell you, we have a great victory. We have a great Savior. We have the greatest work in the world. And praise God, we can do it. Problems going to be there? Oh, yeah. Difficulties, opposition? Oh, yes. But praise God, there are opportunities to give God the glory and to point the way to the Calvary. Yes, we, we have a great God. We will miss many of the victories of God if we avoid God's difficulties. There are difficulties God provide for us. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse uh, 8, God, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Yes, we can limit God's blessings and victories by being indifferent. You say, well, it doesn't make any difference. I'll just do whatever I want. By a lack of faith, trusting God to work in your life. By disobedience, by selfishness. And if we do live in this way, God will not be glorified us in us as he wants to be. Secondly, souls will not be saved through our testimonies. And thirdly, we will suffer the loss of blessings. Yes, in our, our text tonight, in, uh, in Psalm, Psalm 78, I want to read that again here at the end. Psalm 78, and looking here at verses 40 through 43, I pray that we will not be like they were. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy, how he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. You see, we don't be careful, don't forget the great Savior that we have, how faithful he is, how powerful he is, and pray that he would use us in a great way. Adoniram Judson was a missionary also at the time that William Carey was an Indian. And he was going to uh, what was Burma at that time. He asked, and this to show you how much of a man of faith he was, we think we have it rough. He was on a ship on the way to the mission field. He had, uh, I forget now, I think he was... Uh, he was something other as a Protestant church that was sending him out as a missionary. He practiced infant baptism. He knew he was going to go, and before he went to Burma, he was going to go and talk to William Carey because he was a missionary doing a work in India. And so on the way there in the ship, he got his Bible out, and he says, I better know what I'm talking about, about baptism. And I want to be able to convince him that I do it correctly. On the ship going to India to talk to William Carey, 
God convicted him that baptism by immersion is the only scriptural baptism. He ended up there coming and talking to William Carey and saying, you know, I need, I'm saved, but I need to be baptized. He was baptized by William Carey and he sent word back to the Baptists in America and said, I cannot, I, they won't su support me anymore in this pre Protestant thing because I'm now a baptized, I'm a Baptist. I says, would you support me as your missionary? Six months, the letter went into them. Six months came back and they took him on for support. That's the kind of man he was. Wow, we don't have problems compared to that. But one time, he ended up many times, he lost a couple of his wives to health. He lost some of his children. He buried them in Burma. And one time, he was arrested because of his faith, and he was in prison. And he ended up in a cell, and there were several others in this dirty, filthy Asian jail. And this prisoner knew that he was a missionary, a preacher. And here he is. Adonian Judson was in the stocks. I mean, he wasn't just in the cell. He was in stocks. And this man looked at him and says, Oh, how are the prospects for missions in Burma now? And Adonian Judson's answer there in that filthy prison in the stocks, he said the prospects for missions in Burma are as bright as the promises of God. You've got problems? I'll tell you, our prospects are as bright as the promises of God. You've got difficulties? Live by faith, glorify Him. This may be the last day you have to do. Go through that problem. The Lord may come back. I want to be found faithful. God, give us the opportunity to be going forward, fulfilling His word, His command. Because believe me, our future is as bright as the promises of God. Yes, we have a treasure of God's faithfulness and blessing upon us. He who does God's work will get God's reward and will experience God's provision. Let's stand and look to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord and God, we thank you that you are such a faithful God. Forgive us, forgive me for ever, ever doubting your faithfulness and your fulfilling of your word. God, you are faithful and you cannot change. God, help us to build our lives upon your word and your commands and your power. And God, that above all things, you would get the glory from our lives. And Lord, that you would use us to the testify here in our community and around the world. God, we thank you for the privilege of being involved in your program, and we do want to give you the glory. And I pray, God, you might send others even out of this church to do missions work in this last days around the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.